This is the Child Discipleship Podcast powered by Awana. I'm Ross. Thank you for listening. I'm so glad that you are here today. I am joined by Matt Markins, President and CEO of Awana, and Mike Handler, the Chief Communication and Innovation Officer at Awana. Gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be with you, Ross. Always good to be here. Now, we are going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to be talking about a resource that the listener can interact with themselves. And that is Andy Crouch's presentation at the 2022 Child Discipleship Forum. Now, for just a bit of context, let's say this is someone's very first episode. Mike, can you let people know who is Andy Crouch and where what is the Child Discipleship Forum? Just so people we make sure everyone's caught up. Yeah, sure. So the Child Discipleship Forum, we'll start there, is a gathering of uh, children's ministry leaders, pastors, parents, involved adults who are concerned about the discipleship of children and youth within their church and community and even their family. Uh, we really focus through kind of three lenses, if you will, as we talk about child and youth discipleship. And those are cultural analysis, uh, where we kind of take a survey, a look around to say, okay, where is it that we're actually doing discipleship? None of our churches or our families are, are devoid of the cultural setting in which we find ourselves. So we want to have some sort of semblance or, or degree of knowledge as to the culture that we're a part of. The second part of that is child advocacy. This really talks about, okay, what makes children unique? You know, when Jesus calls children into himself, he's not calling just like the mini adults. He's calling children specifically to himself. So what makes children unique? How should we as believers, as parents, as pastors, as whomever stand up and advocate for our kids? So we, we invite people with that lens. And then we also invite local church practice. Um, those two areas of understanding, cultural analysis and child advocacy devoid of local church practice are good in theory. But it's until you bring it into your local church or to your family or your congregation, that's really where kind of the rubber meets the road, if you will. So, so when we bring together speakers, authors, thinkers, pastors, voices uh, to be a part of the Child Discipleship Forum faculty, uh, we do so with a lot of intentionality. Uh, Andy is one of our favorite. I'm going to speak for Matt and myself here. I, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say that Andy is one of our favorite. Andy bridges so many of these categories uh, that we talk about. Three themes that kind of are part of Andy's writing are that of the Imago Dei. So how people are made in the image of God. Uh, another theme would be power. So how, how do we as humans treat power, power dynamics, that type of thing. And the third theme is technology. Uh, so Andy comes to us kind of with those, those three parts of who he is. And uh, consequently as well, he's also written a book on technology with his daughter uh, who we've had her on. And um, it's, it's a pretty great resource that you would want to check out as well. That's perfect. So Matt, jumping off of that, what Mike was sharing about technology, which is how many folks are probably familiar with Andy's ministry. One of the things that you and I have wound up in lots of conversations about recently is how the relationship between technology and discipleship is played out in the context of your own home. Now, in the clip folks are about to hear, Andy unpacks that a little bit in his own philosophy and people, I would highly encourage to check out this own resource. But on a very macro level, can you share how you saw the role of technology play out in the life of your boys and how you and Katie, your wife, had to balance the role of tech and how that influenced their own discipleship. 
Well, Katie and I were born in the mid to late seventies, which puts us right. You know, we're getting iPhones in 07, just at the age when our kids are in kind of preschool, maybe early elementary. So we are kind of at the leading edge of all this social experiment. And I'm just going to be honest, we got a lot of things wrong. You know, I, if I could go back in time, both of my boys now 18 and 20, both of them have said, what were you doing? Giving us mobile phones at age 12 and 13. We had no business getting smartphones at that age, you know? So we learned a lot by uh, not doing things correctly, but we also made adjustments along the way because we, we kept learning over and over. So our role in this, as Mike was saying, communities like the Child Discipleship Forum exist to bring insight so we can understand how's the dominant cultures of today forming our kids, but also we can bring alongside of that conversation, what can the church do to form resilient disciples? So technology is one of the big formational forces of our day, forming our children. And so this is why we're so concerned about this topic. So a lot of parents are starving for this information. They're hungry for this conversation. So are church leaders. So this is why we bring leaders like Andy Crouch to the Child Discipleship Forum conversation, uh, because this is this is one of the, me the main conversations of our day. Yeah. And I think it's important to start there, how we've all had this play out in our own homes. Now, I want to dive into this clip specifically. Again, this is part of Andy Crouch's presentation at the 2022 Child Discipleship Forum. And this is something that you can access yourself. So if you follow the links in the show notes, wherever you're listening, not only can you see Andy Crouch's talk in full and access the slides so you can interact with this with your team, which I would highly encourage you to do. And also, if I may go so far to say, tickets are available for the 2023 gathering. Now that I've made sure that uh, the marketing teams is uh, happy with me, let's play this clip and uh, we're going to talk about what we hear from this and what I think you, dear listener, uh, should particularly pay attention to on the other side. So here's Andy Crouch. Now, I when I say um, there's something spiritual, I'm not trying to hyper spiritualize this. I just mean there's something that touches the very heart of the human soul in the story of technology to date, and I don't think it's going that well. And I think it's because we've been dreaming the wrong dream. Technology is, um, sometimes, sometimes people say technology is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It's just neutral. I don't actually think that's true. I think technology is actually a combination of two things, neither of which is neutral. <laughs> it begins with science. What we call technology today begins with the scientific discoveries that began to accumulate about, about 200 years ago, really. Um, you can trace it a little further back, but there was this kind of accumulation of insight about how the world worked. And I would say science is not neutral. Science is very good. And I'm using that in the Genesis 1 sense of the world when inhabited by God's image bearers who attend to the world, who care for the world, who explore the world, who go out into the world, having dominion over the world, being fruitful, multiplying in the world, when they discover how that world works, because it is the uh, creation of a, a holy and totally good God, and, it, and that God, days one through six, calls it good. When the image bearers are in the world, God says, now it's very good. I see science as part of the very goodness of human culture. 
And it's rooted ultimately in the fact that God made a good world that can be known, that is intended for our benefit. And the more we learn about it, truly learn about it, the more we will, will be able to see the flourishing, not just actually of human beings, but of the whole creation. So for me, science is 100% very good. Technology is not just science. Technology is science plus a dream. Wow, Andy is such a brilliant mind. Uh, let's, let's start with this idea of neutrality. Uh, let's imagine we could go back in time to the very first wheeled cart, right? The, you know, finally we've got wheels, we're moving, we're moving our supplies, dirt, rocks, and tools. Well, the, the first time that wheeled cart rolls over the leg of our work partner and all of a sudden their spouse is pretty upset about this, right? Like at that point, there's a conversation somewhere in history of is technology neutral or is technology good or evil? All of a sudden we're like, hey, that piece of technology just crushed my spouse's leg and now we don't have a way to provide for ourselves. So I think it's a great conversation. Is this technology that we have available in our pockets all around us, their screens pumping messages at us while we're pumping gas? And so it's a great conversation. So Mike, when you were hearing that, what, what jumped out to you? Yeah, you go to the cart technology. I think about the bricks that they use to build Babel, right? So same type of thing. You know, you've got this technology that's allowing humans to advance a certain area in that regard. In your regard, it was, uh, you know, uh, labor and transportation and the, in the aspect of bricks and, and, uh, and Babel, it was, it was technology to, to advance their own kind of image, if you will. Um, I think the, the sticky thing about when we talk about specifically like screen technology is the pervasive nature yeah. of the screen. Um, I, I, I'm grateful for the fact that I can look any fact up like, you know, the random birthday of, a you know, uh, a bench second base, second, uh, second baseman on some baseball team from yeah. 1983. I can go look that up. Yeah, on what's the their internet. hometown? Where, where yeah, they play like, in college and all that stuff that used to be like a really cool thing for you to know in general trivia type thing. Now we all have access to that. Yeah. That, that's like a, a more neutral type of sense of the matter. But now that I have, you know, a 10 year old, 11 year old, a 13 year old and a 15 year old screens seem anything but neutral. Yeah. You know, as, as, as my wife, Aaron and I desire that our home be a place where Jesus is King and reigns over everything. It seems like that throne at times can be feel like it's endangered by the pervasive nature of screens, maybe not even always their own, but the screens that they have in their friends pockets or whatever else. And it's a, that's where I think it seems less than neutral, if you will, because it seems more like wielding a, a weapon of mm. some sort rather than a neutral tool. And I think that's probably what a lot of listeners feel as well. You know, like this, this feels more aggressive, uh, more pervasive, more intrusive than anything else. Yeah. So in that clip, and uh, Andy talked about the combination of science and dream. Uh, but bef as a part of him unpacking that he, he, was talking about the collection, the accum accumulation of insight over the last couple of hundred of years. And I think that's, that's pretty important because it's, it's because of that accumulation of insight that we're able to take that insight and say, okay, with this information and with this dream, right, we have intention 
and like technology builders have intention and design behind what they built and what they want that new technology to do. So let's think about how that relates to our, let's say middle schooler who gets a mobile phone uh, and like, Hey, here's a new app. By the way, I heard this weekend, I cannot remember the name, but there's a, now a new social media platform. Maybe you guys know, can know what it is, but there's a new social media platform that I just learned about this weekend. So these new social media platforms, those makers have intentionality and design behind what they want that to do. And for parents who are maybe just thinking about this for the first time, that design has to do with pulling our children deeper into those mobile technologies. It's not freeing them from those. It's more about how do we get them addicted to them. So we as parents or, or, or leaders in our churches need to understand, as Andy was saying, this dream of si this combination of science and a dream, that dream has intentionality and design behind it. And we need to be thinking critically, what is that design? What, what are these apps or mobile technologies designed to do? And how do these ultimately, these uh, digital capitalists, I guess you could say, who 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 are running these organizations. What are they hoping the long term outcome is with my family, and what will that do to us as a family? Well, I think you touched on it there, Matt. I think you know the science, arguably, like Andy is saying, is good. It's very good. I mean, God has given us wisdom and the ability to learn. Yeah, it's insight. It's it's excellent. The dream there is, is the part that you really have to start asking yourself, whose dream am I living out? You know, whose dream is influencing that, that 12 year old in my life? Whose dream are they a part of? Is it, is it my dream for our family, which hopefully is, is based upon God's dream for the family, which we can find throughout the scriptures, or is it this technologist's dream, this marketer's dream, this, whatever you want to put it in that place dream. And how then does that affect how I interact with my screen and how my screen interacts with me? If you, if you, I'm sure all of us have probably either seen or heard of the social dilemma, right? It's a Netflix documentary. It's fantastic and awful all at the same time. Uh, but, but it's really just exposing, you know, kind of who's dreaming up these dreams as it relates to technology and its uses, especially as it relates to social media platforms and screens. And it, it really dives down deep into some of these areas as it relates to even how and why people get addicted to these types of technologies. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Before we go any further, I need to talk to y'all about Bright. Those of you who know Awana know that we develop curriculum, but before the team made Bright, they asked leaders in child discipleship what the most important thing was to them in a curriculum. 67% of respondents said that a curriculum that is biblically based is the most important factor in choosing resources. I'm not that good at math but that's two thirds of people agreeing on something. This biblical foundation is what our kids need. And with a bright subscription, you get a year of child discipleship curriculum that includes lessons that teach the gospel each week while following a chronological scope and sequence that starts with creation, teaches the fall, reveals redemption, and looks forward and upward to restoration. And with bright, it's easier because everything you need is in one spot. Each Bible lesson is brimming with options for use in both large and small group child discipleship. You'll find high energy, teacher-led activities and media for large group and age-appropriate scripture. 
You won't find yourself just teaching Bible stories. You'll be teaching the story of the Bible and scriptures that kids will commit to memory and take to heart. Subscribe to Bright this month with code DISCIPLE and get 25% off a full year of curriculum. Learn more at brightcurriculum.com. So, Mike, I think one of the challenges for this conversation is people come into it with a felt need. Things like, but how much screen time should my kids have? Or should I or shouldn't I let my kid watch this one particular show? But one of the things that I respect so much about how Andy talks about this is there's he unpacks how there's a lot deeper of a conversation to be had. Can you help folks who weren't there and folks who hopefully check out the rest of this talk summarize a little bit about what's going on and also just what stood out to you from his entire presentation? Yeah, so as Andy unpacks technology uh, as science in a dream, he he then goes on to bring a little bit more substance to it and to to really identify it as the uh, the the pursuit, if you will, of the maximum amount of output with the minimum amount of effort. So if you think about, you know, anything that we might use technology wise, uh, in fact, he, he talks about a Roomba, right? So, uh, that Roomba is, is giving you the maximum amount of, of output. It's vacuuming your room with the minimum amount of effort that you need to necessarily put into it. Meaning I think all you do is just turn it on and program it and that goes, right. It just goes. Um, so that's, that's kind of where Andy goes as it relates to technology. Again, what he talks about is this science with a dream and that dream is oftentimes, you know, equated into magic. So max amount of output, minimum amount of effort. That being said, there are, good uses for this. It's, it's not all kind of, uh, the worst thing in the world. There, there are, there are ways and situations in which we can provide technology to do useful things, useful outputs for us. Which I think is really critical for folks to understand, right? Because many folks would never go this far, right? But there's this parental instinct to just completely shut this off. But when you do that, you are creating an environment where our kids are growing up in an increasingly screen fluent world. And while there are certainly ways where, as you guys said earlier, we need to pay attention to whose dream are we focusing on? Well, and so much of, of what we just do on a daily basis is interconnected. I mean, to try and escape the interconnectedness of this, like as we're doing this podcast, my Apple watch just told me that, you know, our dryer cycle is done. So is, is this going to lead? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, our socks are not dry. Is that going to lead my heart away from Jesus? Most likely not. Um, that being said, th there is an interconnectedness to so much of, of what we encounter on a daily basis, the internet of things, uh, you know, this kind of this interconnectedness of systems that, you know, 
do intend to, in some regards, make life easier, but there is a cost to those types of things. However, there's also benefit, Matt. There's benefit in the world of education. There's benefit in the world of travel. There's benefit in some of these areas too, that I think we need to not turn a blind eye to, and nor do we need to kind of overly worship or overly consume perhaps. It's good stuff, Mike. Uh, I got another clip from Andy Crouch's presentation at the 2022 Child Discipleship Forum. Mike and Matt, I'm going to ask you about this on the other side. I am hugely concerned about technology in formative spaces. I don't really mind using it at work where we're mostly about production and distribution. I certainly don't mind using it in hospitals and medicine where it contributes to safety. I am very concerned about it in the places where we are meant to become all heart, soul, mind, strength complexes designed for love and we'll never experience that unless we push against the limits of our humanity rather than dreaming of, es of escaping them altogether. And there's three formative spaces in human life, I think. School, well, let me start with home, home first, then school, where a society tries to form kids, and then if they have one, a church or a religious community, home, school, and church. And frankly, at home and at school, we're giving our kids magic all the time, basically to solve adults' problems. We give our, we give our kids magic to solve adults' problems. How do you get from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. and get dinner on the table without killing your kids? That's an adult's problem, not actually the kid's problem. Yes, they are screaming. Yes, it's the witching hour they call it sometimes. Yes, it's, it's chaos. But you solve that with a screen. It solves the adult's problem. Parents are really tired. Parents are really stressed. Parents themselves are very implica implicated in this kind of uh, depressing quest for magic. You don't need to solve any problems. And entertainment and distraction and creating kind of a world of magic will do nothing for your kids. This is why Disney cannot help you. Because you are not in the Disney business. You're in the formation business. Totally different business. I don't mind Disney, I guess. I just don't want it anywhere near the forming of heart, soul, mind, strength, complexes designed for love. Matt, how would you articulate some of the ways in which either just you yourself or how you feel like Andy walks folks through who are at the child discipleship forum, the ways in which for our kids, we may have been, he uses the phrase dreaming the wrong dream, but perhaps focusing on the wrong things. Yeah. Well, we're in 2023 where we are living in the dreams of other people. You know, we're living now in dreams that were probably birthed 10, 15, 20 years ago. We just now have the technology to make those things come true. Ross, you and I were in a conversation here recently where we talked about this idea. It's not a new idea, but the idea of the fish not realizing the fish is swimming in water. Well, not only does the fish not realize it's swimming in water, the fish does not also realize the level of health or toxicity of the water itself. Right. And so if, if we equate that to the world that we're now living in, our children are living in, we have to be aware of the, the water that we are swimming in and the levels of toxicity and how that's forming us on a regular basis, right? So as, as we think about our children and our students, we have massive opportunities to ask questions that I think when Katie and I were young parents, not realizing the impact of the decisions we were making, I think we have, we have even more information now than we did 10 or 15 years ago when probably Xer and boomer parents were on the leading edge of some of these conversations relating to mobile phone, uh, you know, mobile technology. Uh, we just have more information now. Praise God. We have more information to evaluate 
how to make the best decisions possible. You know, let me give a couple examples. So my 18 year old has turned his phone to black and white mode. I didn't tell my 18 year old to do that. He's choosing to do that on his own because he read an article somewhere that says, when you turn your phone to black and white mode, it's less attractive, it's less appealing, and therefore you spend less time. So the question I would have then, okay, Hudson, why did you make that decision? He made that decision because he wants to be more present with real people who are in his physical presence. So that's that's an interesting decision that he made there. Uh, my other son, my oldest son, has a setting to where he has a ridiculously low number of minutes a day. I think it's less than 10 minutes where he can actually access the internet on his mobile phone. So why is he doing that? Well, he, he doesn't want to be buried in his phone while he's sitting in the waiting room at the doctor or in between classes at college. He wants to be more present with people. So they they came to these own decisions on their own. Going back to what Andy was saying in the talk there, because of this relational element that's so important. We tend to look to technology, uh, using Andy's metaphors, as this is where the real magic happens. But that's actually not how life works. Where the real magic happens, using that metaphor, is in human connection. It's in relational connection. And ultimately, it's with our divine creator, uh, uh, God, the father, triune God. And so, um, I, I love these little illustrations because it can help parents and those who influence children to shift our thinking. We don't have to look to technology to do all the magic that leads to formation. That's mostly going to happen through relationships and communities and that we can use that magic, that technology for other areas, but not so much in the formational areas. I was just going to add to that, Matt, that, um, you know, you talk about the relational aspect of these things. That's where magic actually becomes a, a detriment, not not a help. Um, some of my fondest memories with my kids or, or even with other people is when we're eating together or sitting around a table or a bonfire or a campfire, whatever it is. I mean, it's those personal connections when you as an Imago day, an embodiment of the of the image of God is are connecting with another that is where kind of the, the, the highest value, if you will, results in the, the greatest amount of impact, the greatest amount of outcomes all of us will most likely recall men and women in our lives who were a part of our discipleship story. I can't recall for the life of me, a single piece of technology that helped me get closer to Jesus or be more like him in any stretch of the imagination. It just does not exist. Um, that being said, I think when we get to it, especially in like a Deuteronomy six example, you know, it is that, that life on life conversation, you know, one word following another in real eye to eye type of conversation. That's where, the quote unquote magic of transformation happens. And it's far from magical. Honestly, it's, it's, it's word after word over the long haul years and years of impact that make it a true lasting difference in that regard. So where I want to land the plane here, obviously I would love for folks to check out the resource and all of our resources that are available at childishelpship.com. But this is much more than a commercial as you guys have walked through where you guys have gotten this right in your own lives and uh, also where you've had to learn along the way. I think that's been really helpful for people who have listened. Um, most of the folks who listen to this podcast are children's ministry leaders. And I think one of the central tensions that this audience has 
with this conversation around technology is they may be coming into this conversation with a more conservative bent to put it in a binary spectrum. How do we help encourage children's ministry leaders to have both grace and truth in how they help parents in their community navigate their those kids' relationship with technology? One thing I would do is I would ask parents, as I often say, what is your vision for your child's adult future? I think anytime we can create space for parents to dream and think and say, hey, talk to me about your child when they're 35. What type of life do you do you long for them? What, what, what type describe who they are as a person and how you see them living out their lives. And so when we, when we can create space to do that, we get parents to dream. We get parents to talk about vision and th those are great windows of opportunity to then come alongside into that dream with them and say, can, can I help you be a part of uh, forming your child, of coaching and investing in your child uh, to help you launch them out into that kind of dream. So these types of spaces, when we get parents to dream and talk about their vision for their children, give us a chance to, ins to, to be a part of those conversations. Uh, when we don't set aside time for that, we're just, we're constantly in traffic, right? We're, we're in, we're in the forest rather than getting up above the tree line to look at where we're going. And so, so anytime we can do that with parents, I think that's a, a great opportunity. And I also, I also think we can kind of do the opposite. We, we can give a picture of being in traffic, right? Let, let me give an example of what I mean by that. Uh, you're at a restaurant and you look over to your left or to your right and you see a family of four all four of them have their faces and their phones. There's no dialogue happening. Paint that picture as well. Hey, talk to me about that. What, what do you think about that as a parent? What do you think about that as a leader over children in your home or in your, your community, in your church or whatever? Uh, what are the long-term outcomes, not only for that family, but for the society at large, if this is who we become, makes me think of the people in Wally sitting in those, you know, by and large <laughs> little vehicle. Like, like, what a great metaphor that was. Those, those guys were geniuses, but, mm -hmm. um, get help parents participate in exegeting the culture and really kind of taking a biopsy of the culture and evaluating, is this who we want to become? And what would the long-term, uh, what would the long-term assessment evaluation of that be? So having a vision for the future, inviting parents to participate and allowing them, hopefully they'll allow you to, to be a part of that and, and just evaluating kind of what we're seeing around. I think those, that type of dialogue, Ross, I believe really allows parents take ownership over how they want to really do this with their kids. Yeah. I would emphasize one thing that you said there, Matt, amongst many of the good things you said, but you know, it does involve connecting with parents, you know, children's ministry leaders. And, and I served as youth pastor for a number of years, man alive. I mean, talk about this. It's like flossing. It's the thing I know I need to do all the time, but I, I maybe not, I have great, oral health, you know, it's not, it's not me, but you know, for others, you know, sure. maybe it's the thing you, sure, you, sure, you sure. seldom yeah. get around to as much as you want to, but, but Matt, I think, I think everything you said is so right on it, but it's so reliant upon the children ministry leader who's listening to this to actually make that connection point with the parent and guys, please hear the heart of empathy here. We know that that takes time and intentionality and there's a ton of stuff on your plate from week in to week out. Um, but that, that connection point where you're able to hear 
and see and offer empathy and uh, a listening ear. And a lot of times, because most of us are parents as well, we're just looking for a partner in our church to, to walk alongside us. And, you know, that children's ministry leader uh, who's, who's over my kid at church on a Sunday morning or a midweek service, they are my greatest ally in this. And, and so I do think to your point, Matt, like children's ministry leaders, listen, you know, that vision for the future, you know, use those types of tools, but, but that's relying upon that actual making the effort and the time, the regularity and the intentionality to connect. It's so, so vital for what it is that we're trying to accomplish here in, in creating lifelong faith in our children. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. The podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Marlon Washington and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard All Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.